Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill Galtier, founder of Soul Shepherding. Well, friends, welcome to Soul Talks. Have a special treat for you today. I'm interviewing a longtime friend, Alan Fadling. And uh, sometime we need to get uh, our wives on here because Christy and Jem have been uh, longtime friends as well. And uh, gosh, Alan, so thankful to have you on Soul Talks. Oh, it's a treat to spend some time with you, Bill. It always is. And uh, I'm so glad you were kind enough to invite me uh, on. Kind, maybe, but smart for sure. (laughs) Uh... Alan and Jem are uh, founders of Unhurried Living. I know many of you know about them, maybe read. Alan's book, uh, An Unhurried Living. It's an amazing book for helping us to slow down and appreciate God's presence and all that we're doing in our life and our work and our relationships. And he's written some uh, devotionals uh, since then, including one that is great for Advent. And so that's why we wanted to have Alan on during this Advent season. And uh, this book is called The Way of Presence. And I've been enjoying it the last few days. And Gosh, Alan, you've just found a, a really a light touch for writing about the spiritual life in a way that's very personal and engaging for people and just uh, really easy to access. Oh, well, I'm, I'm so pleased to hear that. I, you know, I don't know if I always thought of myself quite as a, a writer. I, I really, as a pastor, I thought of myself more as a speaker. Mm-hmm. But in the last few years, I've, I've found that I really enjoy uh, trying to say what's in my mind and heart in writing. And uh, I think a long time ago, uh, the invitation that God seemed to extend to Jim and I both was that our ministry would be about sharing our lives. Mm-hmm. And so the writing is one chance to do that. Yeah, I love that. It's been very fun for me to just watch you develop in your writing career because I knew you before you were publishing books. And just uh, if, if those of you listening, if you don't know Alan, he is like an amazing storehouse of wisdom. He, he has read so many books and reads them really deeply and just has so much uh, deep stuff to say about the spiritual life and, and a healthy spiritual life and uh, loving God and other people as we go through day-to-day life. And so I'm just so thankful to have you sharing your wisdom with people. Well, it's a treat. I, I mean, I love to learn. I, you know, maybe the short, short side of that is sometimes I would just love sitting in my office reading books and thinking thoughts and writing stuff down. But then there's always relationships and interacting with people, and uh, God's growing and stretching me there as well. But I, I love to share the things I'm learning. Yeah, and so in your new book, The Way of Presence, uh, you're uh, unpacking for us a life where we have a growing awareness of God uh, being with us moment by moment and just learning to live out of that intimate relationship. Yeah, I, you know, for the longest time, thanks to some uh, really beautiful God-given mentors, the the language of Jesus in John 15 has been so important to Jim and me both. And that is the invitation to abide, the, the sense of being at home in God. And and at the heart of that really is a sense of presence. You know, uh, 
I, I can live my life in the presence. Well, let's put it this way. I'm always living my life in the presence of mm-hmm. God. And sometimes I'm awake <laughs> to yeah, right. the fact that I am. And when I am awake to the reality of God with me, when I realize that uh, the God in me uh, through Christ and by the Spirit, uh, this is my life. And this is the source of creativity, of energy, of compassion, of love um, that I draw from as I live and as I do the work God's given me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, as I was uh, reading through your devotions, and uh, and uh, for you who haven't yet gotten a copy of the book, and if you haven't, you'll, you'll want to get one. But he gives us uh, short devotionals that are really from the heart and uh, they're sort of beyond the typical devotional because they're very deep and very personal, but they're, they're short. And so you get a reflection from Scripture. Alan processes it through his own life and and work, and you just feel like you're just kind of sitting next to him. And actually, it's like uh, we're reading your journal. And I, I was <laughs> amazed. You, <laughs> I mean, I knew you've kept journals from times we've talked before. Yeah. and. About seven million words in your personal journals. That's Isn't that incredible. Subject slightly obsessive. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's funny. I um, you know, gosh, it's been thirty years ago now when you know I was introduced to the practice of solitude and silence, and mm-hmm. growing out of that was page one of my you know kind of adult journal. I, I had journaled before, but it was mostly hey, Bible study notes, which is great. Uh, or notes on things I'd read, but but this was really more of a soul journal. This was mm-hmm. my conversation with God, and that journal, like I think today, I wrote page ten thousand six hundred and something. And so, <laughs> it's been what I can say is this: I know some people are not big journalers. That's okay. It just turns out that for me, this has been a place for me to pray. Mm-hmm. It's been a way of navigating what's in my mind and heart. It's a way of hearing from God as God responds to what's in me. And then I just kind of knew at some point here in, uh, a number of years ago that there were there were some things in the journal nobody ever wants to read. You know, they're very <laughs> personal. They're very specific. I, I don't think they're interesting at all. And yet at other moments, there were uh, there were places where I sensed God had said something to me that I thought, it might bless others. And so a number of years ago, I took a retreat. I went through a few years of journal. I excerpted about 120 little pieces of journal. Mm-hmm. The first 60 became my first book, uh, first devotional book, Inhaling Grace. And these 60 became The Way of Presence. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And you, you, you begin this track, I think, right away in the acknowledgments. Uh, I'd like to hear a little more about this story, but it really uh, is one of the a number of things that caught me that I'm hoping we can talk about. But you were writing this book uh, and just uh, finishing up a first draft as COVID-19 hit and the whole pandemic and then the quarantine mm. and things got worse from there. <laughs> yes. But there's just a lot of uh, fears for our health and anxiety, what's going on, and then disruptions in routines. And then you said, you know, you had your speaking engagements just, you know, dried up all of a sudden. And so that yeah. was having a big financial impact on your ministry. And so it was a time of a, a lot of anxiety, which, uh, you know, all of us can uh, <laughs> more or less, we have different things in our life that bring fear or anxiety. And and I think we know the experience of feeling like we, we get 
knocked out of God's presence. Like, you know, we, we lose touch with the Lord. And of course, as you said, we, we hopefully we know he's always there, but mm. we can lose our, our attunement and our appreciation and that sense of peace and grace. And so it seemed like you were in a state, something like this, and then uh, you, you met the Lord in a very special way. Yeah, I think the way you said that is really good. Um, uh, in my experience, what happens is I become accustomed to the presence of God in certain sorts of life experiences. And so when I continue in those experiences, I find it easy to notice and to respond to God present. But then there are experiences that I have, at least in the past, sort of equated as, oh, gosh, if God's letting this happen, maybe God's not with me. Um, it doesn't feel like God's with me. You mm-hmm. know? Or I've equated those emotions as places God wouldn't be. And part of the process for me of journaling has been maybe a lot like the Psalms, a way of finding the intersection between all of the different experiences I've had and, and, and am having and the reality that God is there too. And so the fact that I was working on uh, the final draft of this book as mid-March came, and as we've been telling some of our friends, you know, our lives utterly changed in one week in Mm mid-March. Our calendar evaporated. I haven't been on a plane since early this year. I don't think I'll be on one soon. Uh, So a lot of what I used to do by way of my week-to-week activities ended. Mm -hmm. And um, that provoked plenty of anxieties. And at times I have sort of felt my anxiety as a, like I said, it's, I interpret it as an an evidence of God's lack of presence, but the discipline or the practice or the opportunity has been actually every experience in my life is a place God is Mm -hmm. and finding how to experience God's presence or God's voice or God's moving in all those different places. This has been a stretching year because there's places none of us have ever been. And learning what it looks like to practice God's presence in such a season has been the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if you could comment a little further about in your experience of God's presence uh, in this example, your uh, awareness of your emotion and expressing that, praying that, uh, how important was that in your experience of God's presence with you? Yeah, so I think uh, one way I imagine uh, the experience of God's presence is there's the reality that God is here, and there's the reality that I am here. And part of the I that is here is what I'm feeling, and and for that matter, thinking. And mm-hmm. presence Presence uh, for me is learning how to bring who I am into God's presence. And, you know, I I realized that growing up, there were certain emotions I wasn't sure were welcome in anyone's Mm -hmm. presence, (laughs) let alone God's presence. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a journey of learning. Actually, there's nothing in my heart, in my emotions that isn't perfectly safe to bring into the presence of a loving, gracious, merciful, gentle, patient father. And, but that's been a growing experience. And, and it has been important for me to find my way to bringing all that is in my heart into the presence of God. Sometimes it has to be in the form of a confession. I Mm -hmm. do something I wish I'd not done. I, I don't do something I wish I had or, or said, or didn't say. 
And so that becomes an opportunity to be in the presence of mercy and forgiveness and grace. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm anxious. I desperately need to learn what it would be like to practice the presence of peace. And part of that is bringing my anxiety into that presence. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the uh, relationality and uh, emotional vulnerability and authenticity of that uh, in your prayer life and I'm sure also with trusted friends. And I think it, it from my uh, perspective, it really gets at the heart of the way of presence because what you're working with there is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life uh, from John fourteen six And uh, in unpacking that for us through your different uh, daily expressions and prayers coming out of your journals, you're reminding us, you keep bringing us back to Jesus as our reference point, our North Star. You, you wrote about that in your introduction, and you had a great line there where you said, you know, truth is more than right answers. It's mm. lived wisdom. And that living it out in, includes through the the muck of messy painful, confusing emotions. And so your honesty about that and working that into your faith and uh, as part of your thinking things through, you're also feeling them through and you're talking them through and you're praying them through. And so it it seems like all those different aspects come together in lived wisdom. Yeah, I love love the idea of Jesus as the truth. I, I think in my early experience as a Christian, I would have defined truth mostly in terms of having accurate doctrine or having mm-hmm. my theological house in order uh, or something like that, or having the right answers to all the questions um, that I had in my heart. Whereas increasingly, I think thanks to, you know, mentors and writers like a, a Dallas Willard, um, the idea of truth as reality, uh, the idea of truth. I, I think of the biblical phrase walking in the light, mm-hmm. that reality is, the only me that can be in the presence of God is the me as I actually presently am. And I've sometimes tried to bring a pretend me or a masked me into the presence. And there's no, there's no fellowship there because it's not actually me there. <laughs> uh, and I, I find that as I'm able to touch the reality of what's in my mind and heart and bring that into the reality of who God is, there's an intersection. There's an experience of presence. There's an encounter and I can, I can sense the life of it. I can sense the peace of it. I can sense even the joy of it, even when those emotions are hard ones uh, or unpleasant ones. There's a kind of reality that happens when the real me encounters the real God. And that's one of the ways I think truth comes into play uh, in this journey. Yeah, yeah, I, I really appreciate that sense of uh, an ongoing interactive relationship with the Lord. You write about that at one point, and uh, so it was a strong teaching of Dallas Willard's you mentioned just a minute ago, mm. and that sense that to know God uh, the way Dallas describes it is so much more than intellectual knowledge or content. Of course, mm. it includes that. Uh, it's more than history. Of course, it includes that. You know, our, our faith in Jesus rests on, uh, on history incarnation the cross and so forth Mm -hmm. but it's also a a reality of experience and relationship and life now in in the kingdom of god and in the the community of god's people that's right that's exactly right you know so jesus says way truth life you know we've touched truth 
I think life too, you know, um, the idea that my life now is hidden, you know, with, with, with Christ in God, with, in the presence of God, that is life for me. And, you know, we're living in a time, we're living in a cultural environment where we tend to imagine life is somewhere else. It's a thing I need to achieve. It's a thing I need to acquire. It's someone I need to impress. It's all these different ways I define my life elsewhere. But life is in presence, in the presence of God. This is eternal life, that they know you and the one whom you've sent, you know, is what Jesus says in that wonderful prayer of his, John 17. So life is is relational reality, and it's it's the way of presence. Our life is, in fact, the way of presence, practicing uh, presence. Yeah, you know, one of our board members uh, often says that soul shepherding is a way. When, when, mm. he's, when someone wants to understand our ministry, he says, well, it's a way. It, it's a way of life with Jesus and in community. And uh, I, I always love that. And it actually takes me back, Alan, to when Eugene Peterson's book first came out oh. on the Jesus way. And we were yes. reading that and, and teaching groups of pastors on that together and it had a big impact on me. And I, that's one of my favorite things about the way of presence is you, you come off of that that book into these practical meditations and uh, expressions from your journal to, to us as the readers. And as you're, you're doing that, you're just awakening us to a way of being with God that, yeah. that you're learning and you're just kind of inviting us to join you in that. Yeah, I think that's, that's the only way any of us can, you know, share the journey is, is just to acknowledge that we are fellow learners. We are on the journey ourselves. You know, I, I am still on the way. Um, I love the language of way too, because it it doesn't speak of arrival. It it it, it speaks of a kind of companioned uh, journey that we're on with God, and uh, I I'm enjoying this journey in some ways more now than I ever have, because more of my life is finding itself at home in the presence of God as God actually is. You know. Images of God that sort of replace other older, distorted ones that used to linger in me, where God really looked a little bit more like my bad and a dad, my my dad in a bad mood, mm-hmm. rather than the God who was gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and 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 such. Um, and so, I love how Eugene Peterson, in the Jesus Way, captured the feel, the the essence of Jesus as way, truth, and life, rather than that had just sort of been a line in my early experience that it just was something I was supposed to agree with yeah. and tell other people about, <laughs> you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to it could be a reality I live. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. You tell uh, in chapter 11, uh, and uh, listeners, these are really short chapters, so it's really easy to take one in uh, during a day, maybe in your morning quiet time or another point of the day. And actually, you, you say that what you're doing here is you're inviting us into a five-minute retreat with you. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that idea, yeah. Well, I, and I, I especially like it coming from you because you spend, you know, eight days in solitude and silence. So when you talk about a five-minute retreat, you're, you're not talking about some sort of a microwave <laughs> snack that, that's full of a bunch of fluff. Yeah. I mean, you, you know that the depth of, of life in God's presence and, and being quiet and really centering in and, and listening and, and finding that space, but you're, you're speaking out of that, that deep well to, to bring us a, a nugget, to bring us an experience in, in a few minutes. 
Yeah, I, you know, it was interesting. So the, the, the language of devotional, you know, in some cases you'll read a devotional and it, and it seems a little bit like a very, you know, light little snack to sort of start your day. And that's perfectly good. Some people really need that and, and enjoy that. And that wasn't what I was trying for. What I, you, you said it very well. What I'm trying to do is give people a moment to tap into the depths of, of reality, the reality of who God is, the reality expressed of God in Christ, the, the reality of the kingdom that the, the spirit is energizing in us. And I think you can tap into that in, in five minutes. So that was my hope that maybe as someone would read this book, each of those little very, as you say, mini chapters, two pages each really, mm-hmm. would just be a simple moment of remembering. Remember, remember, remember. The longer I am uh, following Jesus, the more I realize what I so need is to remember, you know, what I already know. And um, that was part of what I hoped these little uh, uh, chapters would would invite people into. We did that for me in chapter 11, the anxiety of the unwelcome, unexpected. (laughs) And uh, you open with a story about that I could relate to that you were leading some sort of an event and there was someone you were counting on and, and last minute you get a news that news, this person, you know, can't show up and, and they were, you were really relying on them. They were an important uh, participant. And so now you had to pick up the slack and you said, uh, my knee jerk unwilled reaction is worry. <laughs> and you referred to that uh, as an autopilot anxiety response. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated your honesty about that. And you were talking about the struggles with anxiety there and how it can be so draining. You know, and again, just the challenge to, to trust that God is, is truly is with you at a time like that. Yeah. So I, you know, I, uh, I can think all the way back into my earliest years that, uh, you know, anxiety has been uh, a dynamic. It was partly something I learned in the family that I grew up in. Um, it's something that I probably had a proclivity for temperamentally. And so I brought into my adult life these habits of anxiety. I was formed. I had a formation. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> my adult life has been, in part, a journey of coming to believe that peace is a better place to live my life than anxiety. And there's, that's been a, a really interesting journey. I mean, for example, I had to unlearn the idea that in our family, frantic worry meant you cared. So if you didn't frantically worry, you just didn't care. Hmm. Well, I, it took me a long time to unhook from that one. Yeah. That being frantically worried about doesn't feel very much like love to the people being frantically worried about. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so... Uh, realizing that, that uh, that was one way that I had turned anxiety into a virtue as though it were one of the fruits of the spirit. Hmm. And so realizing, I think maybe it was even Dallas one time, you know, or maybe it was Jan Johnson, I'm thinking, who just said something like, you know, it just might be Jesus is right about anxiety. Um, It's a silly way to say it. Of course, he's right about anxiety, but I sort of, it's a way for me to back into it and realize, Mm -hmm. you know, Anxiety really not has never produced anything good in me. You know, for a while it drove me to certain levels of activity. That's true. But I'll say now that the best fruit in my life has always been born from the, uh, from the soil of peace, 
I'm far more creative in a place of peace than I am in an anxiety. I, I'm far more creative, I have more vision. But it's taken a long time to detach from the ways I sort of imagined anxiety as an asset. And then on the other side, you know, you're talking about this autopilot thing. Uh, you know, for me, for example, if I'm traveling and then something, some hiccup arrives in my itinerary, that just would automatically push my buttons. I remember one time I'm at the uh, the airport here in Orange County. I'm getting ready to go to India, and I am 30 minutes from leaving, and I realize I forgot my wallet. <laughs> so, you, you know, I can just feel the physical sensations, all the familiar physical sensations of anxiety. And for me, and it's not an uncommon experience, it's like I just go to survival brain. And I, all creative thinking goes out the door and I am panicking and I am wondering how will I survive this? I mean, I might've been three years old in, in, <laughs> in one way at that moment. But at the time I had been trying on a little practice, which was some version of the Lord is my shepherd. I shall mm. not want. Mm. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. This might turn out better than I imagined. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to be without what I actually need. And as I practiced that in the face of the physical, I mean, the overwhelming physical autopilot feelings that were arising in me, suddenly a couple of creative ideas came. One was Jim had just dropped me off 10 minutes earlier. And you know what? I could at least get her credit card if mm. I need to purchase something on the way there or back. And I don't need my license because I'm traveling internationally. I didn't forget my passport, even yeah. though I did forget my wallet. Mm. So I had a very simple, you know, sort of financial plan for that trip. Mm -hmm. But I was able to come to a place of peace rather quickly. Uh, but just like the title of that little chapter says, I, my, my knee-jerk reaction to the unwelcome unexpected is often initially anxiety. And I'm learning how to navigate that with Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Yeah, what a great example that is, Alan. That's so encouraging for us. And one of the ways I describe what you did there is you developed a conscious override mechanism, mm. meaning you had this habit for the autopilot anxiety response. And I can relate to that. I'm sure many of our listeners here can. Mm. But you had something else at work at, at the same time that your body was responding with panic. You had this uh, little prayer, Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I mean, every one of us listening, I'm sure, has prayed that <laughs> prayer before. We all know that. And we all could say, okay, next time I get into an anxious situation, I'm going to remember to pray Psalm 23. But the problem is that most of us don't. But you remembered because you had developed this conscious override mechanism. You had practiced in times of anxiety or, or even in times when you weren't that anxious, but you were meditating on Psalm 23 and you were envisioning yourself there with your shepherd, Jesus, in places of stress and difficulty, but finding peace in that. And so you were training your body to find peace, even in the midst of stress. And so because you had that, that prayer habit, that meditation habit, that, that trust and dependence on the spirit habit, now when you were in that point of, of crisis there, you were able to call up the good habit, and that was able to override the negative one. Yeah, I didn't have to try not to worry. You know, I, I had this avenue available to me. 
uh, one that I'd practiced at times when I wasn't uh, particularly anxious, so that, as you say, it was available to me. And then, of course, God's Spirit, as God's Spirit does, was kind enough to bring that to mind and, and, and suggest that I consider that way instead you know, of the way of anxiety. And so in a sense, this way of presence is a way of, I think, God enabling us to find his kingdom way instead of some of the other ways we've learned to live along, the way, uh, along our lifetime. Yeah, I, I had a, a similar uh, sense of blessing reading your chapter on enjoying the unplanned together. And uh, this is a chapter that you tell a story from Thomas Merton, the old monk. Hmm. And uh, I think we all know that the life of a monk, uh, while a holy set-apart-to-God life, has, and in some ways might seem to outsiders like it's an easier life because they're maybe not in some of the daily stressors and pressures that others of us out in the world have but that's really mistaking what it's like to be a monk because there are many <laughs> challenges in uh, daily prayer and living in community with the same people all the time and uh, practicing these spiritual disciplines and then doing it in a way that you're welcoming other people into your life or you're going out into the community to serve uh, but in all of that, the life of a monk is is quite uh, structured. It's quite scheduled, both the, the prayer and and their work. I mean, they they've got uh, rules and times to do this, and the bells are ringing and they're praying. And and so Thomas Merton, I apparently was just sort of uh, uh, exhausted with the schedule. And when I've talked to monks, I've heard that kind of thing. Like, huh. you know, it's might be fun for us to listen to, to Benedictine chant and. Pray with, but if you do that every day, seven times a day for not, forty not years, quite it's a like novel. Then I'd like a different way to worship, but they keep doing it the same way and and loving God through that. So there are many many challenges to being a monk, but the the schedule is one of them. And so I appreciated your devotional on that because I sensed that you were relating to that. Like you know, you have a pretty structured, organized personality, mm-hmm. and you're saying that uh, even just a, a few minutes ago that when that's disrupted, it, it creates some anxiety for you. Uh, but then in this this uh, writing, you're saying, you know, you're, you've really been learning to be more spontaneous and more go with the flow. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting the way you sort of unpacked, uh, you know, your response to what you read there, because it strikes me that in some ways this year of all the COVID limitations that we've experienced have been a little bit of a taste of the monastic life. Mm. We've, we've sort of been forced into a kind of stability, like we can't do things we normally would have done. Stability is one of the basic commitments, at least in the uh, you know, Benedict, Benedictine tradition. And so there's a, a lot of the ways that monks have chosen to be limited. We found ourselves a little bit forced, I guess you could say, to be limited. And I think it's, it's, for me, it's been good to notice how I reacted to that. It's been good to notice what kinds of thoughts and what kinds of feelings that provoked. And mm-hmm. so what I've been trying to keep keep with is I can easily tell you the story of how this year has limited me. I can easily tell the story of, you know, the challenges that this year has provided. What I've been watching for is how might this year be a gift or at least an opportunity like the, the, the way in which God will work this together for not only my best good, but through me for the good of many others. And that's not sort of putting on rose-colored glasses. It's 
It's watching for how this year is an opportunity of grace. And that's part of the unplanned, spontaneous, you know, watching for what I didn't initiate and watching for what I didn't plan and what I didn't schedule. You know, that's an opportunity for me and my unique wiring to practice presence. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of the ways presence comes into my life or the way God encounters me is not something I put in my calendar you know, a day ago or a week ago, or let alone a minute ago. And so being able to be spontaneous with the ways God wants to surprise me and welcoming that has been a a discipline for me. Yeah, these are great words for the way of presence. Noticing, watching, uh, just uh, different uh, expressions of being uh, awake to the reality that God is here, and that makes that makes things good. Even stuff that's bad can be good can come out of that. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's encouraging to see you sort of leaning into something that maybe is outside of your natural personality, because that's a big part of spiritual formation for all of us is learning to sort of transcend some of the ways that we've been formed and some of the habits of our personality. And learning how to sort of, you know, broaden out and, and be open to some different ways of operating. So I can really hear that the, the way of being more spontaneous or uh, letting yourself fall into a flow has uh, been fruitful for you. Yeah, yeah, it has. And uh, maybe another way I would sort of imagine this is as I am learning, you know, over time, to practice the presence of Jesus with me through the Spirit, the wholeness of who Jesus is, the beauty of his mature life, his whole life, you know, that that he isn't just like, you know, one type on the Enneagram or one sort of Myers-Briggs type or whatever. Yeah. It's You can't pigeonhole him. He's this beautiful expression of, of, of the, uh, the humanity that God envisions for each of us. And in some of that, as I practice his presence, I see in him ways in which he is rich and full and, and I am not. <laughs> and, uh, and yet I see in him an opportunity to reflect who he is in ways that my life has not up until now reflected quite as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, to me, that's a great invitation rather than imagining, oh gosh, I come up short there and oh, I don't quite do as well there. Yeah. That these are, you know, the presence is a place for me to continue to be polished and to grow and to mature. Yeah, I love that. Well, I've saved the best for last year. I, I, I want to uh, direct our listeners to probably my favorite devotional uh, in your book on the um, way of presence. You've got chapter seven is a playful God, which is uh, something that's been very important to me. You've mentioned the Enneagram and most of our listeners know I'm an Enneagram one, and that's the uh, the Eeyore of the Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, us fives have a little bit of Eeyore too. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to find my my seven to find find the joy, and there so I go. I see you working that through in this uh, reflection here, and you you begin with a great Advent scripture, which is just another reminder that this book is great for our listeners to read during Advent. You've got a whole reading guide there that they can do each day during Advent. But you've got John 1.14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then you sort of catch me by surprise because you tell an Easter story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. 
but it is the it is the funnest story. So um, I, I was about to tell it, but I'm so excited about it. I should just let you tell it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I would not often be accused of being playful. <clears throat> My wife Jim would much more often be uh, seen as someone who is naturally playful. And so I'm. The story is that I had risen quite early in the morning. It it happened to be Easter morning. This was not this year's Easter, so it was an Easter I was getting up and would end up, you know, at church. And as I walked from my side of the bed to the foot of the bed toward our master bathroom, I I heard in my spirit a familiar voice, a, a voice I've come to recognize as God's voice. But the message was so odd, I didn't know what to make of it. And the message was very simple. He is risen. Now, my first thought was, as a good pastor who's seminary trained, of course he's risen. I know this. I have my doctrine in order. Mm -hmm. It's Easter. Yeah, he's risen. And then I realized I could sense a tone in the words, and it was playful. And Mm. the he in the phrase was not Jesus. The he in the phrase was me. (laughs) <laughs> and, and Jesus was, I, this is how I heard it, that he was just being playful. He said, well, he is risen, like he got out of bed. Yeah. And and uh, I, all I can tell you is I, I knew it was the voice of God because of the fruit that it bore, I, the, the joy that I felt, the, the, the sense of uh, delightful companionship that I sensed in Jesus. And I, I think Jesus would love to express his, his joy, you know, his joy. Uh, that he'd like to have in us and have to be complete, the joy that would strengthen and energize us. And that was at least one moment of encounter, one moment of presence where I really tasted uh, the joy of Jesus. Yeah, well, it's it's so fun. I I love you sharing that. And it's not only fun, it's also important that there's a really deep truth there that Often when God speaks to us, it comes in a way that surprises us. It's spontaneous. It might, it might even be playful. Hmm. And uh, learning to recognize the voice of the Lord and, and join in with that is a lot of what can help us relax into God's presence as we're doing whatever we're doing. No, that's really true. I, I've been so grateful for the gift of mentors who, who highlighted how this relationship, this, this Christian life very much is a relationship. And not mm-hmm. just a theoretical, you know, relationship, not just a future relationship, uh, but a living, breathing, conversational, interactive communion. And I am so grateful for the gift of being invited into that relationship and learning how to cultivate it. It's been the, it's been the best thing in my life. Awesome. Well, friends, uh, <laughs> my guest is Alan Fadling. He's the author of The Way of Presence. The Empowering Reality of God with Us. You can find that in other books at unhurriedliving.org. Great website, great ministry, and uh, it's just been fun to have you on Soul Talks, Alan. Bill, it has been a great treat. I always enjoy our conversations. Uh, It'd be wonderful if you could pray for our listeners and just, uh, you know, bless them with this spirit that you've been sharing with us in writing about in your book. Sure. Well... Our Lord Jesus, we're grateful for the gift of your having come to be among us, of taking on yourself a body very much like ours, of living a life surrounded by realities not unlike ours. 
and for enabling us to sense what God is like in how we see you treat people, in how we see you respond to challenges, in how we see you respond to successes. I pray that you would enable each of us who are at present listening to sense your smile in their lives, to sense you as a rock, a solid place in an unsettled time that many of us feel, and that uh, we would each of us sense how your spirit is inviting us to take our own next step in this way of presence. This, Lord, I would pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Alan. Great to have you on Soul Talks. Oh, it's great. Friends, you need a Christmas gift to share with somebody? We've got a great one for you. It's called Surprising Joy Advent Cards. These are a great blessing, a simple scripture from the Advent story and the Gospels to meditate on, a picture done by a studio artist of, of the Advent character related to that Bible verse, and then a very short reflection by me and a soul talk question that you can use to share with a friend and pray for each other so check it out on soulsharpening.org in the store or on the show notes of this podcast thank you for joining us on the soul talks podcast to find out more about growing in your life and leadership subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org you can also find us on facebook twitter or instagram 